might be in space, but really, we're in Philadelphia, because this is V'ger Please, the heinous trip at Warp 5. My name is Joseph. And I'm not trying to fuck your wife. I'm just your co-host, Peter. So much to get into this week. I suggest, Peter, we just launch into a, a review. What do you say? I like it. Let's do it. What did we watch this week? We're getting into season... Hmm, is this still season... It's still season poo. They got a lot to make up for. Yeah. It's still season poo. It's a big ladder to crawl out of this this latrine. Season poo, episode 14, Stigma. Here's here's the meat and potatoes, Joe. This is Rick Berman. This is Bram Braga. This is directed by David Livingston. It feels right, like first, the, yeah, it feels like the first time Brandon and Braga put in a script that fucking actually did something. Feels like the first time they showed up for work. Which, like, we, we did have a, some good episodes in the season, but they have not been Berman Braga joints. They've been other people have come in and, and create salvaged some things. This is the first time I can say out of all of the 14 episodes of the season we watched where I'm like, yeah, they, they sh- they're in their paycheck this week. This was pretty good. Again, I'm sitting here scratching my head and asking myself, is this as good as it felt or is this just good because... It wasn't kicking me in the dick. I think this was mostly a legit good. It's got that that golden blend of social commentary under Star Trek disguise, and it's not beating you over the head with what it is. It's a Star Trek classic. They love to pull this trick. They've been pulling this trick since the 60s. They pick a hot topic. They synthesize it through Star Trek through a legitimate in-universe lens, and then they spit it back out as a story, and it it works because they take the effort to make it work within the framework of Star Trek. A lot of people think the best version in, of that synthesis is an episode of DS9 that at some point we seem likely to review, so I won't discuss it, but this is another version, and spoiler alert, the topic... Of uh, that they've decided to synthesize is the most early 2000s of topics, and that is, as Rich Evans would put it, Here's the amazing part to me is that that was not immediately evident, and I didn't really see that until I was reading the memory uh, alpha entry, and I was like, hmm, I, I mean, I guess it applies to AIDS and the gay population, but especially in the wake of shit like Jatral and what's some of the other uh, oh the fucking internment camp episode yeah it wasn't like a big ass uh, billboard and them putting me in a cannon and shooting my face at it yeah they, they were I don't want to say subtle it was I feel like it was obvious when I first watched it and it certainly remained so upon rewatch that this is clearly what they're talking about stigmatized they make a real effort of like minority intimacy stigmatized behavior degenerative disease with no cure like all of the elements are there and they are very specific so is it a is it a sledgehammer they're hitting you over the head with no it is a foam bat but they do it in a way and this is i think the part that really works they tie it in to the continuity of the show yes and they tie it in to to paul's change in character so yeah it's a special episode that is has a very specific thing it's trying to say about a topic, but it works in the context of it being in Enterprise in season two around the things that have happened. Yeah, but then it's got like this layer of 2022 AAA cosplay where they have taken this political message, this uh, so societal message, we'll say. Yeah. And they put it into this Vulcan plot that clicks on every level. And again, like I was the best parts for Enterprise to me so far, uh, aside from Shran and Jeffrey Combs, uh, is how interesting they have made the Vulcans. And this is in the wake of Voyager and Tuvok, the idea of a finished character, of a complete person, of a textbook Vulcan being so difficult to write a compelling story about that them putting some dirt underneath the Vulcan's fingernails, making them a little shady, making them less than ideal has really been a compelling story. And this is a great entry into that. Uh, And 
I really, really enjoyed it. And now, I, I just one last thing on that note that you just mentioned. I agree that is a huge point uh, that works really well for for Enterprise and has worked really well to date. And the best thing I can say about this episode is this is really just the beginning of not just this specific plot line. Like this, this disease thing doesn't just get forgotten, right? This continues for the almost the entire run of the show and is just one of many additional layers on the Vulcan story that will eventually be the best story they tell. Because real quick, I mean, here's what we're here's what's on the board as far as this. I don't know if this is an A plot or a, I guess this would be the A plot, right? This is the A plot, yeah. Uh, you've got T'Pol's change in attitude. You've got less than desirable elements of Vulcan civilization that clearly need to change. Uh, this goes right back to the Vulcan Cenobites. Um, I mean, that's that's some really great callback. And all the stuff getting into like her trauma and stuff after being attacked by uh, what we call them first first officer date rape yeah i mean she was raped she was mentally raped i mean that is that how they have portrayed it and how it is referred to here so i don't mind calling it what it is which because what i think is a fair assessment too by the way i think a forced mind meld for clearly intimate reasons is akin to a violation that makes a lot of sense to 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 put it in that context i think it would be it's a clear cut attack. It was, I would call that event in meld an attack. I think that this episode pivots, it pivots it more towards a intimate, uh, sexual parallel where at the time in meld, I think it was portrayed more less as I'm just into you and I want to, to get all up in and more of a, I want people in our cult. And if I can help you experience, if I can force you to experience, it's going to open your eyes and, you know, show you the delights of Vulcan hell here. And I don't really, I'm not bothered by the direction that stigma was able to pivot it and the way it plays into that, uh, yeah. the, her reasoning towards the end about not just, uh, outing what happened. So you've got this real strong, tight, uh, highly polished, I think a plot. And then. Because it's Berman and Braga, and we can't say no to boobies and sexy time. You got to have a horny B plot. Th- this is the fucking, like, what, the, the third time now that they've had, like, dire consequences A plot, and then, like, someone with a kazoo on a <laughs> skateboard roller skating backwards at a disco. It's right back to Reed's favorite food. Ah. <laughs> like, yeah. I, w- I will say... But they get points back for the fact everyone keeps their clothes on. So it's horny in a way that is not exploitive of people's appearances. And the dire consequences are very personal. So it's not like the ship's in peril. No. This is a very specific to like three or four characters. So the idea that like Trip, he's not involved in the A-plot, right? And, and that's going to be a fault I'm going to bring up later. And... Because he's not involved in the A plot, him having a B plot with Flox's wife wanting desperately to bone him and him being too a uh, country boy, southern gentleman uh, to accept, it works fine for me. It's not as jarring as what's what's Reed's favorite food. Can you find that out in between the alien invasions that are causing people to go into comas after they've been butt probed? Like, not as bad, you know? The silly... Your wife wants to fuck me B plot in this. It's not bad. No. In fact, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a great look at the Noblian culture. Yeah. yeah. His wife is a great guest actor. Uh, and everything across the board is great. Why does it have to run up alongside a a, a premier A plot? Yeah. Why does it run what, up against the Star Trek version of Philadelphia? You know, like, why are we doing this? Were they afraid that they were getting too intense in the A plot and this was here to buffer things so uh, people didn't feel uncomfortable? I think so. Because, I think you're right. Right there. Well, well, fuck that. All right. Because you've got an episode that easily could have stood on its own feet and should have included trip heavily into Paul's woe in this. And then I go through my journal of the season of Pooh, Dawn, Trash, 
Catwalk was good. Precious Cargo, Uber Trash, just all this bad, ugly shit. Fucking strike out three of those episodes and just give me, uh, you know, a trilogy of the seduction of Trip by Mrs. Phlox. <laughs> just give me, spread this comedy beat out. Like, be have her be the, like, the reverse Lexana Troy, you know, where it's not that she's, like, a bad person that no one wants to be around or very, like, the annoying in-law and mother-in-law. It's actually that, like, Trip is just too much of a, of a of a gentleman. He just can't sleep with someone else's wife. It's just against his morals. <laughs> like, play that out several times. I'm in for it. You could have taken any other beep. You probably could have taken most of the other episodes from this season and condense whatever they were doing to be the B plot or the A plot to this plot line and, and give the other one to it. We're at the oh. halfway point. So let's let's review. Shockwave part two, C minus. Carbon Creek, uh, C, but like also shouldn't have been there, right? Like kind of a waste of time, but not terrible. What if that was the A plot to this B plot and like Trip was like ducking in and out of like to Paul's story while he's trying to dodge her jump his bones? I mean, that would have... That would have been more that would have synthesized better. Yeah. Uh, Minefield was okay-ish. We just hate Reed. And then Dead Stop was probably the better half of that because it was a little bit more interesting. That wouldn't really fit, but. uh, Uh, And then you get Night and Sick Bay, Uber Trash, Marauders, Trash, The Seventh, Trash. Take Night and Sick Bay, have his wife on there and have all the other nonsense going on and uh, trip keeps, you know, trying to duck his wife and that's pissing Archer off more. This B plot could have enhanced almost every other episode this season. So ridiculous that you are dulling uh, the, the, the tip of the spear that stigma is slicing through season poo with, with this. Anyway, let's talk about the thing. Let's 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 break it down. Do you want to do a full A plot, B plot instead of yeah. trying to run these things parallel? Since they they're so incongruous and they don't intersect in any reason in any meaningful way. Let's do the A plot and then we can kind of conclude with some some fun with the B plot. A plot. We have the teaser that sets up what's happened, which is for whatever reason and we will find out here over the course of the episode. So Paul is got some kind of serious illness. It has progressed. There is not a cure. Flox has been treating it. And it's gotten bad enough that Flox has indicated he needs to seek outside help. Specifically, he needs additional Vulcan research if he's going to come up with treatments for this disease. And the consequences put on the table immediately are, if I don't do this, you're going to die. Okay? So, teaser sets you right up. Like, the, the stakes are max. This is a disease plot. This is a bit odd. Apparently, this has been going on for some time. What's there's a mystery and there are stakes. There's a third part to this that you're not mentioning. Ah, yeah. Secrecy. Well, there's the secrecy, but also more interesting to me is all of a sudden there is a overwhelming fear. I don't know if it's a desire to stay or a fear to go home, Uh, but the options available to to Paul are uh, we deal with this here and you probably die or you admit what's going on and try and ask the science directorate for help to which to Paul says they will almost and they, they will force me to leave enterprise. Right. Mm. You jump back to, I can say at the bare minimum, was it gosh, shadows of Pajem where she's supposed to get turned over to uh, the Vulcan ship. And instead they run this, one last mission together op, right? Correct. And I want to say there's maybe been another entry too, where part of the plot is to Paul's going to have to leave. Archer desperately does not want her to leave. And Archer moves hell and high water to keep her on the ship. And at no point does she ever really express. I want to actually be here. In fact, uh, she expresses the opposite in Shabs of the gem, right? Like she's like, why the fuck do you care so much? Yeah. You know, I'm not thrilled about it, but, you know, it it is what it is. And, you know, life moves on as contrasted by this, where at least in the beginning, you would think that her husband is serving on board this ship and she does not want to leave this under any circumstance. There's something 
she loves being there and she does not want to leave. And I don't know if we missed a beat at some point, but I still don't feel like. I don't feel like she ever really came out of her shell. So maybe that's to come and, and, and she's going to have a big reveal later on. Like, I really love you guys and I need to be here or whatever. But she's slow. That- she's slowly showing that, in my opinion, like they did that with the catwalk where she came went into movie night and then engaged with it in an authentic way. And trips like, hey, can you hang out with us more? You know, like piece by piece, she's started to have more of an affection for what's going on around her. And it started really in Shockwave Part 2, where she like stood up to the Vulcans who wanted to end the mission and said, you need to not fuck around with this. Like the, the humans are on to something here and they need to be allowed to go out here and like put a put a put a marker down that that checks not only um, everyone else, but us as well. I'll even go back so far as the one. I think it was uh, the ice comet where she gets uh, tapped to go back into her uh, arranged marriage. Oh, yeah. And I think that was really the first instance of her opening up a little bit and not wanting to leave with, but she doesn't really express it. Well, we see it in her private scenes, but I don't know. So this has been going on a while. This is the first time she's in front of anybody else, but like, I don't want to leave. Correct. Um, so yeah, is this a Vulcan planet they're over or is it just like some other? The Kendi three, I think is just a, a random planet with people on it. Oh, well, I'm going to air quote people because it's been a while since we've seen some mid nineties LucasArts. I mean, it was Jedi straight Knight up one. Yeah, it was a PS one cutscene. is what we saw when we got the CG here. We were praising the CG on catwalk with like, Oh, it looked great. The lighting effects, the detail looked good in HD. This looks like such garbage. This looks like command HD. and conquer one. Yeah. Yeah, like FMV cutscene and not it, in a good way. It looked like Tim like, Curry's nowhere to be found. You know what yeah. I mean? Like uh, these guys were just Space! extra characters. <laughs> these guys are extra characters from Clay Fighters. <laughs> yes. It might as well have been an episode of Gumby is what I'm saying. These They zoom in, whatever. Flox has got three Vulcans who I think are all a great pick. There's two older ones and there's a younger guy. And Flox's con here is that he's saying, hey, Uh, I need information about your super rare uh, Vulcan secret disease because there's a parallel that we're dealing with in uh, Denoblius. And uh, I think I can take your research and do something good. It's not a bad con. He is a much better liar than Jonathan Archer. This is a good lie. It is a good lie. And I think this is the uh, one of the first episodes where I feel like Flux as an excellent practitioner of medicine and doctor is established which is something that I think gets gets better uh, established as they go on and ends up being very well done on their part where he's very he's, he's treating very seriously his um, obligation to treat to Paul to do everything in his power to not only make sure to Paul is taken care of in terms of her disease, but like that her her um, confidentiality is respected, you know, like that everything is being done that can be done in addition to taking care of her social needs, like not outing her, right? Like it's not just, I, you know, you need to be treated. So I'm going to sell you out to your people and they can actually treat you. It's like, I'm taking care of you, what you, the way you want. There's also a great uh, element to this, which is it's all happening behind Archer's back. Yes. He's not happy about it later on. Um, you know, but like the, understandably so, like he doesn't give him too much shit. Right. But, uh, you know, again, coming out of uh, Voyager, where by the end, everybody was fully involved in everyone else's business and it was a family like there yeah. is still walls up between these people. I also I'm not saying it should have been there, but I would have appreciated if part of uh, Archer being butthurt was like, you know, we should be past this. You should be able to trust me. I've gone out on a limb for you. You've gone out on a limb for me. You know, we, we, we got heard that you have a terrible disease and you didn't tell me that so I could help you. Like, sure. I would tell people, are you kidding me? Like, sure. Come on. The dirt we've done already. (laughs) My confidentiality is sealed. So these Vulcans are dummies, right? Yeah. 
something yeah. smells off. This is uh, they, they've got a little Seska in them. They're like, mm, let's circle back around with this. Yeah. Flox's lie isn't bad, but it's still too cute by half. It's a little too perfect. It's a little too clean. It's I just need the information. I can't verify why I'm asking for it very cleanly. You know, it's like the perfect cover when it's perfect gives it away. You Here's know? what I like about these Vulcans is I get major Tremere vibes off of them. Yes. Right, right down to in his region. Yeah. Right down to the. Sorry, if you guys don't are you're not into vampire. Yeah, uh, masquerade. you have to suffer. This is this is a this is a this is a chantry right here. Yeah, and they go and they're like, "Listen, we want to do a follow up meeting just to you know make sure we got our facts straight." So they fly up to the Enterprise, which, according to Memory Alpha, their shuttlecraft is the fucking Frangi piece of shit from Acquisition. No, uh, from False Prophets. Oh, this is it? a tainted evil ship, Joe. Oh no, can't have that. Uh, they go, well, Captain, we don't really need you. We don't want to talk to the doctor. We want to talk to Paul. Hey, walk us through this. And basically, they're trying to get her to admit that, hey, I'm sick with this shit. Or the doctor admit he's lying. Paul's getting her back up a little bit because she sees what's going on. Hey, can you read off these names? She looks at it, and I'm pretty sure. And I like their terminology here, right? Uh, they roll out the carpet further on this. So the we'll find out the analog to uh, essentially gay people, right? Correct. Uh, which, again, I did not pick up on at all, and I thought that was real clever. But the outcast element, the minority element here are Vulcans who have a genetic predisposition that allows them to establish mind melts. And that in of itself was crazy, right? Because mm-hmm. everything from TOS, Tuvok busting this thing out left and right, like everything 24th century or even Kirk area era forward this is nbd right they, they teach you how to fucking mind meld in preschool i'm sure so very interesting world building here that this is a basically a mutant power and they call them melders which has a that the right amount of like backhand derogatory yeah, it feels like a pejorative so it right it, it's right on it you know, this is a thing that's limited to just this uh, second class citizen that we're not really keen on. You're not fraternizing with them. You weren't, you know, are you uh, part of this? You're not involved with it, whatever. Hey, read off these names. Here's a pad. Uh, and I'm pretty sure that some of the Vulcan Cenobites from Meld were actually on there. Things fall apart. They leave, whatever. But little do they know. That wasn't a pad that the region just dropped, that the the, vent, the Tremere dropped on them. That was a bone of lies. It was. It was. They got a, they got a sympathetic link. You know, they got it a might even have been a blood. stone of the true form. They're fucked. Yeah. Oh, no. It was, you know, it was a vessel of transfer. Vessel of transfer. That's what it was. Vessel of transfer has got a point of blood. That means you can take it back to the Chantry. Mm-hmm. You can work some mojo. You can do all sorts of bullshit now. They put you know, it in what's very name. clearly a, a modern day uh, flatbed scanner full of sand. Get that paper flesh ready, my boys and girls. We about to strip some fortitude. Jesus okay, that's, all right, that's enough. Okay, I'm sorry. Flashbacks. Ex- except to Truman specifically. Uh, we apologize to everyone else. Truman, <laughs> that was all for you. So uh, the point is they get the, her DNA. They figure out she's got the disease. The game is up because they're, you know, they, they, they thought it was all sus. And so when we turn back to the plot, they have now told Archer, yo, this is the state of play. Uh, Flox can't come back to the conference because he lied. Fuck him. And, you know, I'm kicked out of the con. I might decide. Yeah, he got kicked out of the con because he stank. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I might take your uh, science officer, TBD. Right. Like we haven't there hasn't been like a full decision made there yet. There's two things at play. One is the doctors can basically and this is they can medically invalidate people and make them go home. That's kind of the implication is like a ranking doctor in a sector can say uh, you are medically unfit to serve. Head back to Vulcan. And then there's further repercussions that could happen if Vulcan uh, high command gets involved. I like the introduction of the scene where Archer calls Phlox and to Paul in. And his opening is, well, you know, it's been a while since uh, I had my face rubbed and shipped by Vulcans. So thanks for my doing that. My favorite thing. So thank you. <laughs> you know, what the fuck is going on here? You guys are lying. You're making me look like a clown. This is all real ugly. And slowly they go ahead and open up. 
and we find out that T'Pol has contracted this thing during meld because one of the uh, Vulcan Cenobites who was able to establish the mind meld was already infected with this neurological degenerative disorder. Uh, but again, as we already said, it, it wasn't consensual. And they really, I think they play, I don't, I'd have to go back and listen to our episode on that. If like we shit on the episode for not being more that her lack of agency and being attacked there and downplaying it, like what the real effect there was. But the great line here is Archer going like, oh yeah, uh, you were attacked. I remember. Well, you weren't the only one attacked to Paul. And I'm sure Archer remembers that because right after he attacked her, Archer pulled him into that little uh, surprise, like, I'm going to goad you into beating my ass. I was attacked, too. That was one of the best nights. Of my- I got slapped all over my court. I got the super strong Vulcan whooped my ass so hard. I got so many concussions. Luckily, I had so six good. guns taped to various <laughs> underside table surfaces That's... and under my bed cushions. So after I came, I just grabbed a gun <laughs> <laughs> and I took him out. I was able to take him out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember start eight, whatever. Yeah, I beat off thinking about that like four times a week, man. That's a. That's, That's a spank, spank bank. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Emeritus. Absolutely. I will you, never forget the feeling of that man's hands on my body. So the next part of this plot that happens, I believe, is. Well, you them getting the, the mess- chance there for a sec. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. The, the next thing that happens, I think, is that they get contacted by the, the young apprentice, right? Is that the next step is that they get the <sighs> they get the information from from him i think so because the hearing happens after that so i'm pretty sure there is no he probably i think the order of events is he storms down to the planet and says i read the fucking vulcan bylaws i read the peripheral code No, not even that like he goes down first to try and plead her case because she's basically given up yeah and again like she and they make him wait that's the thing they make him wait on purpose to say fuck you it's honestly a blur there's It's a T'Pol episode where it seems like she has a lack of agency, but at the same time, her inaction is an action because the byline through what she's doing is that I don't want to make a big deal out of this because I feel bad for this minority. Uh, And if I say, hey, one of these guys in the minority just so happened to live up to all the awful stereotypes you have, it's going to reinforce it and and terrible things might happen. So I might have to fall on the sword here and it's, it's a noble line she has. Uh, But the bad part of the episode for me, the worst part of the episode is it brings out all the worst traits in Archer. Yeah. He gets real petulant, real angry. No chill whatsoever. None. Uh, The dude's like, uh, I don't know, like a, a frenzied, gorilla crybaby that doesn't you know he's not like the hulk down there ripping the walls apart he's just waving his hands around crying and he's just an emotional mess the entire time that he is interacting with the vulcans on any level and it, yeah when he goes down to plead this case he gets in, he gets pissed off when he goes back down later with the peripheral code and says you owe me a hearing the still pissed off you know like when they go to do the hearing he kind of finally does button up a little bit you know and and that plays out a little differently so I'll I'll grant some credit back for that. But as usual, he seems very ungoverned by his emotions in a way that is uh, not leadership material. You know, and I would say that he's under duress enough times like night and sick bay aside. He's been under the gun and he's been in some pretty nasty situations before. And he never falls apart into this emotional catastrophe like he does here unless there's some Vulcan component in play. Like he is so bent out of shape by Vulcans. It makes me wonder if like they did something to him personally behind the barn. And like this dude's like got (laughs) emotional trauma because nobody else can get him wound up like this. So there is a mess of scenes where he is trying to fight on her behalf, but she has placed these shackles on him where she says, I'm worried that if they find out that I was actually attacked, that it's going to further persecute these uh, these melders, and I do not want that to happen. You have to promise me you're going to keep that a secret. 
and I respect him for keeping the secret, even at the cost that they might lose the case and things are going to fall apart. Like, yeah, he, he finally shows does her that actually, respect. yeah, she, he does what she asks finally, <laughs> right down to the last second. The she's already been basically condemned by the doctor. Archer plays the like, no, we're going to have a tribunal. I want to plead my case and we're going to have a lawyer episode. Call three regents. We're doing it. Uh, the doctor group has, I'm sorry, the, the little Chantry has not yet contacted Vulcan High Command. So there's, uh, it's not as bad as it can possibly get, right? Right. There is an opportunity here to potentially still convince them. Uh, the sympathetic doctor in the group. Yes, the young apprentice discloses that he is, in fact, a thin blood himself. Oh, <laughs> He's yeah. a diablerist himself. Uh, yeah. That this guy is actually a melder, too. I didn't like that. His sympathy. Seemingly only exists because he's got direct skin in the game. It, it, that is a bit of a miss. And that is a classic hack storytelling move from like the early period of like trying to create these sympathy episodes that if the person isn't part of the group, then somehow them being sympathetic to them won't play as well. I completely agree. It needed to be that this guy was like, no, I'm not a melder. I just think what all of this is nonsense. Like this is shouldn't exist and you shouldn't be subject to, you know, potential death sentence and not be treated and then be stigmatized because you fell victim to someone else violating you. Like none of this makes sense. He had a real strong lead up to, he said there's more intolerance now than there was 200 years ago. And thousand, I was like, I think it was 2000 years ago. And I was like, it? all right, this dude's like a progressive and you know, he's a young, and then he's like, yeah, I am a melder. And I'm like, yeah, I, yeah. did you have to be, did you also have to be space gay? Like, did you have to go that route? You know, come on. It, it undermined the episode. It, it didn't kill it, but I, I think it would have been stronger had they not gone down that way. Um, so you've got this. In a lot of ways, there's so there, it feels like a very Voyager like episode. And I say that in a good way, right? I do, too. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. At some point, the letter comes up that, hey, I want to uh, explore that. It feels like a Voyager episode thing before you get off it. Sure. So why I'm I think feeling blue balls, the blue ball guitar. Yeah, I mean, that's a good example of an episode that feels similar to it with the with because I was the one with Senator Kelly in it, too. Right. Yeah. And they were telepaths. Mm-hmm. Um, this this gives you Voyager vibes because Voyager had this soft touch on some of the plots of some of its better episodes that feels like is here. Um, and this isn't super hard sci fi stuff, right? Like. It's a disease. There's treatment. They don't get into a lot of techno babble, right? Like there's it's no just, bad gunfights. There's that's everything about this episode feels very relatable and doesn't is very easy to understand what's going on without, you know, in the Star Trek sort of uh, uh, icing over it helps tell a bigger story, but doesn't complicate it. And when Voyager succeeded, I felt like that is the vibe that they were able to capture. Like spec, and, and this is kind of our our bitching about a lot of media that's come out in the last two years, right? It's all all the spectacles great, but the substance completely sucks. It's all hollow and by the numbers, and has no soul. And this feels like it has a story and a soul and a real nice soft touch to it that draws you in and make feels you makes you feel invested by what's going on. And Voyager did that quite well. And I, and I think I used to credit that to Kate Mulgrew because she was an actor who was used to delivering in that kind of circumstance, but clearly that, that other folks are capable of it as well. I think this is the least enterprise episode of enterprise we've watched. Yeah. None well, of the I'll hallmark s- stupid sh- it feels like a it feels like a Voyager episode because they're like in some random planet and there's a conference and it's like busy and they're like, you know, like having shore leave and stuff. It reminds again, me of nobody like, gets punched. There's there's yeah. zero action. And as Mayweather I tracking, has his shirt off, <laughs> but for unrelated reasons, talking about this a plot, it's so easy to completely forget that there is a someone wants to fuck trip B plot. That that's where all the sophomore hijinks are going to be hiding, even though they're done well. It, you know, it it, it taints this thing. doesn't belong. No. Uh, so 
what happens? She goes down, she gets the discs. They think they might be able to fend it off. But then, then she's then then they she she winds up with the tribunal. The tribunal happens, and that is where the young apprentice says, "Listen, I I am also a melder, and I am going to go ahead and say you know the truth here, which is she got she she got victimized. She should not be punished because someone needs to say this and save her because she's a victim and not like someone who should be per- prosecuted or persecuted rather." Well, there's an important scene prior to that where the letter comes in that she's been relieved of command and that, you know, the hammer is being dropped. And that's important to me because Archer brings her up to give her like the bad news and chooses to deliver the bad news by making her sit at the dinner potty. The dinner potty is not only for dinner. It's not only for potty. It's not only for having dinner while you're on the potty or interrogating people or interrogating people. Uh, it, it's also for delivering bad news and, Hey, we're going to have to break up. So it's also the dear John dinner, dinner potty. potty. Yeah. The dear, <laughs> dear John, John dinner, dinner potty. potty available. No, <laughs> uh, but they, they, they eventually get to the climactic scene where the, the young doctor says in, Hey, I'm also a melder. I'm space gay. You shouldn't prosecute. Uh, per- God, I keep saying it. You shouldn't persecute. To Paul because she was victimized and the the conversation kind of ends there and the end result is the young doctor has been relieved of his duties because he outed himself as a space gay uh, but they believe the story that Paul was victimized and they will not act upon her employment and uh, importantly Phlox believes that the research they now available to them will allow him to continue to treat the disease without it leaving its initial stages for some time to come. This has been another really good part of the A plot is that the amount of research that is available on this is almost non-existent and actionable uh, efforts taken to resolve this even less because this is happening to an undesirable segment of the population. It is essentially being viewed as a problem that fixes itself. So why would you? try to stop this thing that's killing off your undesirables. And if it catches a couple other people in the process, well, they shouldn't have been associating with them in the first place. Uh, Flox's criticisms of the Vulcan saying like, this is, you know, a a five-year-old should have been able to make more progress on this than all of the Vulcan science director has given the information that, you know, this guy was even able to pass along to me. Uh, Real compelling stuff. So, by the time this ends, it's not a win. There's been casualties. This uh, sympathetic Vulcan has uh, sacrificed himself on behalf. And, and that was that was cool, too, right? Like he recognizes like this lady is going to die and she's losing her career because she's protecting my people. And then he reciprocates the the act and, you know, throws himself onto the grenade and and saves her a little bit so that's that's a cool back and forth like you said she's not really cured she's bought more time but there's still a problem uh and it gives flocks an opportunity to push his medical thing Uh, i'm sure i could sit here and say like hey we're gonna talk about you know natural selection and all that and (laughs) your doctor but i'm gonna leave it to you guys to draw your own conclusions at home you know, sometimes the episode's good enough that old wounds can start to scab over at least a little bit. That was good. Now let's talk about the B plot. We want let's talk about hot wives and 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 swingers and denoblians. Rick Berman, all up in. I loved the information you get about denoblians, both explicit and implicit in this episode. And agree that this is all well done. It doesn't belong in this episode, but I really liked it because too often, Star Trek does tell you too much, right? It's just blah, 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 exposition. This is a circumstance where you you get told some things, but other things they just let you figure out by seeing what's going on. And the key thing in this subplot is Denoblians have zero hangups about physical intimacy. They are all polygamous. So that's like clue number one, right? And clue number two is because they're polygamous, 
uh, sexual exclusivity is not part of the intimacy of a relationship, which is clearly separate. So they marry people because they want to have close association with them, but because they have three different partners, they're spending limited time with each. And there's this- very little, uh, there's a high population density on Denoblia. So these people have a small sense of personal space. Right. A lot of- and let's jump off on that. Uh, I've, was it Dear Doctor where he has his date with um, Cutler? Uh, yes. Has to be. Yeah. Yes. It's it easy is. to forget that there is more to Dear Doctor than After willing genocide. Crazy last 15 minutes, yes. The rest of that episode was actually quite interesting. It was very good. That's why yeah. Dear Doctor's fucking terrible is that they took what should have been a great episode and they uh, rubbed poop in its teeth. Uh, Cutler kissed him and he flipped out. So, like, that's the one taboo I think we know about Denoblians is, like, mouth on mouth is not okay, right? Well, and they play it up here because, like, they never kiss. They, like, get close and they smell a little bit, but they're not putting lips on lips. And that's where the aversion to physical contact ends. I feel like it's a bit of a retcon of the lack of physical contact because fucking Flox's wife is making all kinds of physical contact. She basically contact. gives him a foot job, right? Yeah, like, like, just all up on him, very physically contacty. I think that that, like, Flox specifically might not be okay with physical contact, or maybe it's like, if it's not someone you want to be intimate with, you're not comfortable with it, and he wasn't comfortable with that, with... with, mm, with I think it's just a kissing Cutler. thing, and that's... Okay. Th- that being a trigger works. You know, all, all the dumb shit from Night in Sickbay... With the uh, cum monster alien providers, the donors of the jizz monster, Mm -hmm. you know, their whole thing was like, oh, my God, I can't believe you ate in front of us. So, like, I buy in the Wild West uh, Alpha Quadrant that there's a lot of races out there that are real particular about what happens around the mouth. Okay, Uh, I'll buy that. But, uh, yeah, uh, getting a good waft of someone's pheromones. Apparently, that's quite intimate in Denoblia. And we we see their smile. You know, like at the female version of the big toothy grin and uh, Flox is uh, uh, beloved, as he so often lay puts. Uh, I believe her name is Feasel. The the Feasel. (laughs) So Feasel Flox. And she is, as you said, played by a very competent guest actor who understands, like, my goal is to flirt with Colin Trenier. And I'm going to flirt with Colin Trenier super hard. I'm going to find different little flirty things to do. I'm going to position myself. I'm going to smile. I'm going to put my hand on his shoulder. I'm going to resort to give him a foot job later because he's not picking, picking up what I'm putting down. Like, each step, it's her just be like, you can take it out now. You know, that breathy sort of like, Oh yeah. Oh, that, that she, she just goes for it. Like and it's, it's great. Rick Berman's mouth, his lips right to my ear with that dialogue about it. she's competent too. I mean, she's some sort of a scientist showing them how to use a new electron microscope or some cool stuff. And it's trip. That's uh, setting it up. I like how she does a flocks impression without it feeling bad. Like the cadence she speaks in, Almost feels like back when uh, <clears throat> Jerry Ryan at seven and nine would like imitate other people. Or uh, it, it was the ones where it was the doctor in her body and she was acting like the doctor. Like there's vibes of that. Like she captures a lot of essence of Flocks without it just being I'm pretending I am Flocks. So nice job being the second Denoblian and and breathing a life into this other race. Yeah. Yeah. It, it provided awesome context about what it's like to be a Denoblian and how different they are from humans in small and in big ways. And it allows you to have like quick hits where, you know, Mayweather shows up for his one scene and he did apparently some sort of weird style of bullfighting and got fucked up. And you got, you know, fucking, uh, you have uh, Hoji's one scene where she accidentally helps uh, Faisal uh, flirt with Trip. And then you get Reed's one scene where he's like trying to work off his boner by hitting the exercise bike. You know, like, okay, we got to get everybody else in the episode. We'll use the B plot. We'll have them one at a time. They're just like interact with Trip uh, about the shit he's up to. Maybe not, ha- maybe, maybe not having sex with the doctor's wife. And then, you know, you end it with 
tripped like hey your wife's flirting with me and he's like "Ooh, has she given you a rose petal bath yet he's excited for him to fuck his wife and is like oh it's your your loss for not taking advantage i was like oh perfect perfect like they showed that he's probably going to be fine with this it's happening in front of him he's enthusiastic about the idea he thinks that intimacy should be shared between people who are interested. That's part of their culture. Here's a bad part of this B plot for me. A, you know, it's it's paired with a place it doesn't belong. But I'm tired of trip. People want to fuck trip episodes over unless it's a fucking Pokemon slug. It's probably trying to fuck trip. And yeah. here and there I can I can do that. But I mean, this is hot on the heels of fucking that precious cargo trash. And just over and over, uh, you could have taken anybody else and plugged them into this plot, and it would have worked just fine. And Mayweather specifically, I think, especially he's had kind of a goofy relationship with a doctor, too, who tried to fucking lobotomize him not too long ago. You know, like, that would have been a real good person. Be like, I don't feel comfortable because I am sick and fucked up a lot. And this dude uh, has a scalpel by my eyes all the time. Uh I think Reed might have actually been the most interesting because there is a guy that we know is a player mm-hmm. and is DTF, uh, but also this consummate professional. You oh, Reed would have f- fucked her. Reed would have absolutely plowed her. Are you kidding me? As soon as he got the go light, he would have been like, Let's which do it. would have been an interesting resolution itself. But the the steps leading because he's the main person saying, do not bring it up to flocks. So, again, this is just more like, oh, here's a guy that we're going to try and paint as the sexual, the main sexual object other than to Paul. Uh, he's going to be the target of all of her affection. And it's it, make it Hoshi that's getting hit on. Right. Yeah. He, I, he, and, and they've already like kind of broke glass on doing the gay thing at this point, like legitimately. It's a gay. Uh, ep- if this is supposed to be a gay analog episode, like then go for it. Yeah. And then the the next problem with it being Trip is that Trip is supposed to be to Paul's confidant. If there's a scene, if there's a, a episode this season where Trip needs to be there for to Paul, as he's already established himself as like her her shoulder to cry on, he should have been super involved in this, right? And you know what I really like about yeah, I agree. Trip should have been involved with with the a plot. That is a bit of a miss. But I, the more I think about the idea of like Hoshi being the object of Fiesel's affections, it works better to me because Hoshi's pre-established as friends with the doctor. Yes. And so like there's more going on there where like she's going to be hesitant. Well, that's how you can play it, right? Like you obviously don't have to. It's the 23rd century, 22nd century and just be like, of course, you know, Hoshi's in the girls as, as well as men or both or neither or whatever. Like make whatever choice you want to make there narratively. So that that's not the focus. Instead, it's I don't know if I want to be intimate with the wife of my friend. That's too weird. Arguably my second best friend, maybe even yeah. best friend. Yeah, probably best friend on the ship. It there's a lot of way. And this is I'm going to say the uh, barge of the dead problem that this episode has is trip being the sexual attention center isn't bad. It's just. It's been done several times before this. They were all way worse. So even though this is a good example, it is bad because of where it's falling in the order of let's seduce trip. Uh, And then my biggest complaint in all of this is the a plot hinges on the fact that unwanted that's that basically uh, she was sexually attacked, right? There were unwanted Mm -hmm. advances that has created this catastrophic situation with her the 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 main part of the a story is that you know prejudice against homosexuals and people with hiv is bad and also hey you know sexual assault's not okay and no means no right mm-hmm. and then you flip over to this fucking zany b plot which is uh okay well if it's a girl giving you these not taking the hint and forcing yourself then it's cheeky and funny and it's like what what the fuck what's the last <laughs> there was another episode where like I mean, okay. Oh, oh, it was uh it was a space Texan fucking episode, right? Where we're like led to believe like, no, the space Texans have unjustly persecuted all these people and they're all gonna be murdered for no good reason. 
Nah, it turns out the guy who is actually the minority that is being oppressed is actually the bad guy. The world's biggest like, piece of shit, and they and deserve like, it. Oh, oh, that that's what were you trying to do here? Because you just undid a lot. <laughs> but you know, like, oh, okay, well, again, once the roles are changed and it's the girl who's not taking no for an answer, then it's it's a silly, funny comedy episode. Well, we are not watching. A silly, funny comedy episode or a very special episode about AIDS next week. What are we watching? We're getting into season two. I'm also going to go ahead and call this a good episode. Yeah, I think if good. the B plot hadn't been there and it's not that it's bad B plot. I think there could have been a great episode. Out of I think games. it's good even like and I think the B plot's good. They don't belong together and it prevents it from being great. But I still like chicken and chocolate, even if I would never combine them. Could you combine those? I'm I sure mean, someone in the trauma support group will come up with a good combination. But like, yeah, yeah, of like, course, I obviously. can see the post on Discord. It'll probably be from one of those godless heathen Australians. <laughs> that sounds like something a criminal island would do. You all heard me. <laughs> see, now I've got to call out our other fans. So we'll have none. Yeah. Uh, to listen to what we're reviewing next week, which is season what? two, episode 15, Ceasefire. This is going to be Chris Black and David Strayton. All right, I see uh, Enterprise, and there's three ships I don't recognize, and there's two Vulcan ships. Archer is called in to mediate a territorial dispute between the Vulcans and the Andorians. Fucking finally. Yes, we're getting back to to your good friend. You mentioned him already this week. He's back. Back That's again. what I needed. That's the yeah. ladder I need to climb out of the, the latrine pit of season poo. We might, in fact, call it season two after next week. We well, might, it's, we listen, might restore restore some dignity to this this nonsense that we've had to endure after next week. Why I is mean, it taking this long to get to good stuff? Why am I having to wait until episode 15 to get to where clearly uh, is some shit I care about? There are a good handful of episodes in season two, that, I, and I just forgot they were all in the back half. This was one of them. I didn't really consider Catwalk one of them. It wasn't one that stuck out in my memory, but I, I certainly considered this next week for Ceasefire. There's a few more Regeneration, First Flight, and then The Expanse and Horizon are all in the season, and they're all very good in my opinion. So we will have some gems as we work through the back half of Catwalk. Little, little, little compressed pieces of poop that turn into diamonds. Mm, nice. All right. We'll see you next week. <laughs>